The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello, and welcome to Well Seekers, where we are helping you find your story of happy and well, and helping you feel better in your mind, your mood, your spirit, and your life. I'm Lucia. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you've been joining us the last few weeks, you know that we are in the middle of a summer revival series where we are helping get your mind and your story happy and well as we head into summer. We talked to a meditation guru. We have spoken to a skin expert and talked about the links between mind and mood and your skin. Um, we also spoke to a life transformation coach that gave us some incredible advice on how to make our life and our journey a lot more happier and a lot more well. I feel like as we head into summer, we can't ignore that everywhere you look, there is either an advertisement for get your summer bod or get your body right for summer or some sort of manifestation of that, that our bodies are not right right now and they need to be better in time for summer. So I wanted to take at least one episode, probably the next episode where we talk about self-care, we'll probably dive into it some because it's just natural to talk about your body and self-care, but dedicate an episode to getting our mind right for summer around body acceptance. We're not going to tell you how to lose weight for summer. We're not going to tell you the foods to eat to help you lose weight for summer. We're going to talk about how to love your body in time for summer, and that means loving it exactly exactly where it is, the size it is, the shape it is, and just helping you realize that wherever you are right now, that is an okay place to be. If you're someplace with your body that you aren't happy with, there's definitely changes that can be made. But this episode is really about helping you get to a place where you can love and accept your body for where it is exactly where it is right now. If you guys know anything about me, you know that that's been a journey for me as well. And part of my story has been really diving deep into trying to fully accept my body, the ups and the downs. When you do suffer from autoimmune and different diseases, some days that your body doesn't feel well and some days that your body feels great. So dealing with my body in the good and the bad has been a part of my story and a part of my journey. One of the things that I have worked really hard on is techniques that I use to help change my own story that I tell myself about my body. Again, we're all about the journey and the story and helping everyone out there rewrite their story and create a story that's filled with happiness and peacefulness and wellness. I have worked personally really hard to love my body, to accept my body, and to rewrite my own script on my body isn't overweight or heavy or fat. My body is perfect the way that it is, regardless of the size it is, the shape it is. As long as I'm loving it and nurturing it, then I'm in a good place. And that's a lot of work to get there. So on the show today, we have Rachel Melinda. She's going to be coming on. Um, I'm going to ask her. Hopefully, I said that name correctly. Rachel is going to be on. She is a coach, a holistic food expert, and she's going to be talking about body acceptance, how to break up with dieting for good, to have and create the change that you actually want in your life. Before we get into Rachel, though, I really want to share with you guys an article that I read. Believe it or not, it's in Glamour. And I have to give major props to Glamour. They did this a couple years ago. They conducted their own survey 
on body image and they gave it to their glamour readers. Glamour found, I'm going to get into the details of the survey too, but they had more than 300 women take the survey. They found that 97% of them, 97% in any given day were cruel to their body and said negative things and had negative thoughts about their body more than 13 times. So more than 13 times a day, women have negative body thoughts. Even more disturbing, and they actually, that's their word that they used and mine as well. A large chunk of those women had 35, 50, and even 100 hateful thoughts about their shape of their body or some part of their body through any given day. A hundred times a day, they were negative and told themselves the story that something was wrong with their body. The article goes on to talk about how it's become an accepted norm to put yourself down. And if someone says that they like something about your body, that most women will say, no, 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 and then discount that, not accept the compliment and rewrite that script on how their body is negative, not good enough, or fill in the blank with some sort of comment that just puts themselves down. I think if we're all being honest with ourselves, and I can speak for myself, if someone does comment my body, I work really hard to accept the comment, but there are plenty of times where people have said something positive about me and I've been like, no, 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 that's, this needs to, you know, this needs to happen. Like, oh, you look really pretty today. Yeah, if I was 10 pounds less. How many times have you said that? How many times have you continued the story that you aren't good enough and that your body isn't good enough? I think this whole article where people talked about saying that to themselves a hundred times a day is just from a societal viewpoint says a lot about where we're at, that as women, we are programmed in our brains cognitively. The story that we tell ourselves is that we're not good enough. I think that it also shows from a mental health standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, that we are writing the script that our bodies need to be some sort of image of perfection that nobody actually thinks they're going to obtain or they would be loving their bodies. This article goes on to talk about what we can do, right? These are some suggestions. Their suggestions were really great, actually, from a mental health perspective that I would give you. So Rachel's going to come on and help us and give us some of her own perspective. But I just want to give you three things that this article said that I couldn't agree with more. First, they talked about why your body is actually not the problem. It's not that you are uncomfortable with your body a lot of the time. A lot of the time when you're beating your body up, it's more a side effect of some emotional distress that you're feeling. Maybe it's stress, maybe it's loneliness, maybe it's boredom. Instead of identifying, hey, I'm feeling stressed today, it's just a lot easier to pick out and start berating your looks instead of getting in tune with your emotions, figuring out what's wrong, and then attending and attuning to your emotions. It's just a lot easier as a culture. And again, we've just been programmed to tell ourselves the story that, oh, it must be our looks that's bothering me. But if you pause for a second and you're not feeling good, it's amazing what you'll uncover. So just that moment that you can take in your day And again, meditation is a great way to sort of tune in with your body to get to the root cause of what the issue is. If you're feeling uncomfortable with your thighs, is it really your thighs or is it something deeper that's going on? Recognizing that your body is not the problem is a huge step towards reviving how you feel about your body and your life as we head into summer. The other thing the article says that I just want to expand upon that you can do is silence your inner mean girl. And I think we all know what that means. 
it talks about how it's just not worth your mental peace to constantly, consistently, and throughout your whole entire day, beat yourself up about your body. Mentally, again, it has to do with the story. When you tell yourself a story, your brain starts just processing and encoding that story and it's going to be played on a loop. So if you're constantly saying, I'm not good enough, my thighs are big, my stomach's big, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right, your brain's just going to get stuck. Those neurons are going to fire and create that story and embed that story. So instead of honoring that mean girl and continuing that story, try breaking that loop. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but when your head says something like, my thighs aren't good enough, just combat it with the opposite. My thighs are perfect. I have a zit. I'm ugly. I'm beautiful. So it's really literally rewriting that story so that your mind goes on a loop of positivity and not the negativity that we're programmed for. Now, one piece of advice and hope at the end of this article was a study that was done that showed that you can change at any time. It talks about rewiring your brain, which I just talked about. Rewiring your brain is possible. Retelling yourself a story of positivity is something that will change the way you feel about yourself. It'll change your day. It'll change your mental peace, your emotional peace. And you can do that through some of the things that the article talked about that we just recapped. And we're going to have more great advice on body acceptance and how to get body acceptance in time for summer. I know we hear, you know, get your summer bod. I'm on a new campaign that I'm trying to start. Get your summer mind, your summer mood in check. Those are the things that lead to happiness, that lead to peace, that lead to overall wellness. So we are on a campaign here to get your happiest and most well summer mind before the season actually hits. And we're going to help you do that with our guest who is coming up, Rachel Melinda, who is going to help us break up with dieting for good when we come back. So join us here on Well Seekers. You're listening to Well Seekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. You want to be part of the Seekerhood? It's easy. Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com. Hey guys, it's Lucia. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Now, I know we're on a break and we're waiting for our guests to come back on. So in the meantime, make sure you check out wellseekers.com for all the latest and greatest simple and easy tools to help you live life well, to build a stronger mind, a stronger body, a stronger spirit, and a stronger life to help you live happy and well. We've got blogs, we've got videos, and we've got tools. We've also got empowering stories and solutions on all of our podcasts. So if you've missed an episode or you want to check out more, make sure to hang out on the site and become part of our seekerhood at wellseekers.com. Now, without further ado, let's get back to our guest. And we are back on Well Seekers with our guest, Rachel Molenda. I keep wanting to say Melinda. <laughs> For some reason, that's okay. I would roll with it. It must have been. (laughs) It must be the Italian in me. Like we always want Melinda. Yeah. So that's my Italian side. I always joke that I should have been named Melinda. So then I would be Melinda Melinda. (laughs) Yeah, it's Ukrainian. I was going to ask you where it's from next. So it's Ukrainian. Yeah. Well, Rachel is based in Toronto, and she is a certified holistic nutritionist disordered and emotional eating coach and host of the Fill Up Your Cup podcast who helps women heal their relationship with food and their body to ultimately find their food freedom and break up with dieting for good. Rachel, thank you so much for being on Well Seekers today. Thanks so much for having me. 
have you ever gone to the Ukraine? It's on my bucket list. I actually haven't. It's also on mine. Um, and I, that's why I would feel a bit lame being like, like Melinda, it's Ukrainian, but <laughs> I have no connection to it beyond that. <laughs> well, I like the name. It's beautiful regardless of the way you Thank say it. You. <laughs> so Rachel, we have been doing a series on reviving our minds for the summer. I like to call it getting your summer mind instead of your summer bod. I love that. Yeah. We're doing a series on getting the summer mind that you've always wanted. And we're talking about reviving our relationship with our bodies from a holistic approach, mind and body. I gave some research about how many people have issues with their bodies, especially around summertime. And I have to say that for myself as well, I've worked really hard to have a strong relationship with my body, regardless of how it fluctuates in weight and know that I'm more than a number on a scale, which I think is easy to say, but hard to actually feel in your heart. Would you say that's something you come across on a daily basis doing the work you do? Women struggling or people in general just struggling with emotional eating and body acceptance? Yeah, totally. It's actually the reason I started to specialize in this work. I mean, beyond my personal experience with it and having gone through it for so long, what I found when I started practicing as a holistic nutritionist is that people know a lot about nutrition already. It's not that there's any shortage and that's, that's not the reason people aren't able to stick to their health goals and, and get the results that they want. It's almost that we are paralyzed by all the information out there and we're, we're doing all these things that don't feel natural to us. They feel restricted. We, restrictive, we feel deprived. And so that's often causing us to turn to food in those situations. Or even from an emotional eating perspective, what I would find with clients is that I'd check in with them and they'd say, oh, I did terrible with the plan. Like, I just, I can't stop eating this. And so as I started to work with clients, I was like, there's something here. Like, it's, it's again, it's not, it's not even about the food anymore. It's not an information problem. It's a matter of what's actually driving your behavior around that food. And so what I do in the work that I do now as both a nutritionist and an emotional eating coach is that I help clients get to the root of what's actually driving their behavior around food. My background, everyone that is listening has heard this a million times, but I, my background is as a journalist and then I got an expertise and have worked um, in the mental health field the last few years as well as a journalist and have worked specifically with eating disorder patients a lot. And exactly what you said, it's it doesn't have to do with the knowledge or lack of knowledge, whether it's anorexia, bulimia, or binge eating disorder, which really is emotionally linked eating. Yeah. It is so much more than the food. Yeah, totally. Before we dive into your wealth of knowledge about reviving our relationship with our bodies and body acceptance, can you share with us a little bit about your own experience and your own journey to this work? Because I know I've shared with the audience previously that I am in recovery from an eating disorder. So what drew you to this line of work? Yeah, so it was very much my story. And so when I was in uh, grade eight, so kind of just getting into my teen years, I had an eating disorder, so I had anorexia. And I mean, before that, I had always been a bit of a health nut. I've always um, been very tall. I'm 5'11 today. I don't know how tall I was at when I was 13, but I've, I've always been very tall. And so people always referred to me as, oh, you're, you're so tall or you're so big. Uh, which is not something that you want to say to a developing teenage girl. Yeah, um, that is I always like, powered over people. Yeah, it is tall. Yeah, and I love it now. But I'm five eight. People okay. always said I was tall at five eight, and I always remember the same thing. They'd be like, "Oh, biggest people at the front of the line," and I was always the biggest. So they yeah. would move. Yeah, yeah, right. And so as a developing teenager, you don't know how to differentiate those messages. All of a sudden, you think that you are a bigger in, in a bigger body. 
Um, I'm also a twin, so and my twin is very small boned and has always been smaller than me. So that whole comparison thing has always been there. So there's a bit of that already going into that. And then my eating disorder, which thankfully was um, short lived physically, but the mental effects stuck around for a very long time. So while I went to therapy, I was just kind of told to go to therapy and then I didn't understand why at the time. I just knew that, oh, we get to go for ice cream after we have therapy. So I learned to love therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that whole experience was followed by what I call a 10-year career in disordered eating, which is different from an eating disorder. So an eating disorder is characterized by, say, anorexia or bulimia, whereas disordered eating is more of that diet mentality, being very immersed in diet culture, starting fresh every Monday, constantly dieting, living off of aspartame-filled foods, constantly counting calories and macros, that sort of thing. So that whole process went along for uh, 10, 10 years, essentially. My weight just kept climbing up because after my eating disorder, I mean, there was this whole fear of like, hey, you have to gain weight really fast. And I didn't work with a nutritionist to figure out how to do that properly. It was just like, how do we get as many calories into this girl as much as possible? So my weight gain came on pretty fast, which of course did a number on on me mentally. Um, And it was just this constant back and forth of say binging and not so much purging, but a a lot of binging and a lot of belly aches on the ground and just constant breakdowns. And so that took me into uh, my last year of university. I moved home to my mom's place after, and this was in the summer now. And she was making more of my food and, and cooking with more seasonal foods. So, I mean, we all know how delicious a tomato or cucumber is in the middle of summer. Mm. And for the first time I ate those foods and I was like, wow, like this actually makes me feel really good and it tastes awesome. And I started to appreciate real food for what it is. Because again, before that I was living off of, I mean, my whole goal around food was how do I get as minimal calories into me as possible while still being, being able to feel full, which wasn't a good way to go about it. At the same time, I had joined a CrossFit gym. And if you've ever walked into a CrossFit gym, what you'll see is that there are no mirrors. It's very much focused on what your body can do rather than what it looks like. So those two things happen. Like I started to eat more whole foods and starting to feel really good from that. I noticed my energy change, my skin cleared up, things like that. And then I discovered what my body was capable of as opposed to always looking at my body for oh, it has this role here and it has this and being so critical. I was like, yo, I can, uh, I can power clean like someone else's body weight. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those things kind of work together to kind of help me in my healing process. I never really did seek therapy throughout that because I mean, again, I kind of thought it was normal, this whole disordered eating thing. I was just like, yeah, struggling with your body is just something that women have to do. And that's just, those were the cards we were dealt and that's what I have to do. And now I know that there's so much more to life than that. And I think it's key to point out that there's different pathways to recovery for eating disorders or even disordered eating. And it is such a fine line because it really has to do with the psychological side effects of the behavior and the distress it's causing you in that way. It is a fine line, but it sounds like it was through body acceptance and loving your body and using sort of changing that mindset, right? Food is fuel for my body to accomplish greatness instead of how can I punish myself or reward myself with food? We've we've turned it into a weapon (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And I always like to look back and that is the journalist in me. Like I always say, who's telling your story? So look at who's telling your story. Where'd we get that story from? That, for example, like you were saying, right? Like larger people up front. We let someone else define for us that large meant fat, which means bad because in the media, we've been told that 
thin is good and heavier and bigger is bad, right? So it's time Mm -hmm. to take charge of our own narrative and our own stories and reassign value to everything from food to what the word big means. And that's a huge narrative change for everyone, I feel like. Yeah. And I think that is almost the hardest part in healing. I mean, it's different for everyone, but um, even the clients that come to see me and I'm coaching on this, on these things, and people are excited about this whole developing this new whole philosophy, but there's always a point in our uh, work together where people are like, like, no, I I can't move forward or um, weight is still important. And they're still kind of rooted in those old beliefs, which makes total sense when it surrounds you on a daily basis, when it is constantly in the media, it's hard to believe that there is another way. Absolutely. Is there a process or something that you've designed specifically for your clients? You don't need to give us every detail, but a way that you work with them to help them grow beyond that? Because it is, it's so tough. I mean, I still see a number after years and years, 10 plus years in recovery, I still sometimes need to knock it on the scale because I know the number is going to bother me. Yeah, totally. It can always be triggering depending on where you're at. So yeah, what I do in my one-on-one coaching is, I mean, we start off with an initial consultation. I want to know who is the person in front of me? What is their past? What have they gone through? And of course, like a bit of health history sort of stuff. I mean, the nutrition part is still important to me, but it's not where I center most of my energy on from the get-go. So in the first meeting, um, after that initial consultation, we'd be focusing on breaking up with the diet mentality. So we basically explore all the reasons why dieting hasn't served us, different perspectives and statistics that show that our body doesn't actually like dieting and dieting is actually self-sabotaging our efforts to be healthy. And there's a reflection piece at the end of each week for people to kind of apply those learnings. And after that first session, what I want my clients to get at after that session is to say, okay, I'm done with dieting. Because in order to move forward in this whole intuitive eating process and to ultimately trust your body, you need to know that dieting is no longer an option. Because as I mentioned before, you might move along in this work and like feel really good, but then, hey, you might have a hard week for, for women listening, like you might be menstruating. And that can have certain changes, very normal changes on your body and how you feel. And it can be very easy in those moments to be like, uh, okay, like, like you, you feel that need to uh, control again and exert a lot of effort to like control what's going into your body. One of my clients, she refers to this as she goes into research mode. Mm. Um, so what she'll do is she'll kind of like research like, hey, what what can I do to support this right now? And look at the latest diets and she has a full plan. And so now it's kind of an ongoing joke. She's like, yeah, I went to research land again. And we have to kind of check in and say, okay, what what's bringing you back there? So that's kind of week one in a nutshell. Like we really need to make sure that dieting... Um, as a tool is, is off the off the table entirely. Breaking up with dieting. I love how you use that phrase. I had to think about, I sat here for a second. I was like, what would it be like to never, because if I'm being totally honest, I still do think about food sometimes, or I feel like I've shared this on another, I had knee surgery a year and a half ago and I gained weight and I haven't lost it and it still bothers me. So it's like, I still do think about it, dieting. Mm-hmm. What would it be like to just eliminate all of that talk? It would be amazing. I'd have so much more free space in amazing. my head. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And this this is another thing that I frame to clients too, when maybe they're in that mode where they're like, I just need to lose those five to 10 pounds. And so I say to them, okay, like let's, aside from what those pounds mean right now, like let's, or that weight means, let's look at this. Would you rather weigh say five to 10 pounds more and not feel preoccupied by food 24 seven, but feel really good in your body? Or would you rather lose those five to 10 pounds that might take a lot of energy and exerting control to do that? Because again, our body, if our body's staying in the same place, it's probably somewhat happy providing like hormones are in check and that sort of thing. Mm. But so yeah, would you rather 
say, lose those five to 10 pounds and think about food 24 seven. Well, most people say, give me those five to 10 pounds. I don't want to be thinking about food 24 seven anymore. This has consumed so many of my thoughts and so much of my life. Absolutely. No, I, I just, it really struck me when you were talking, Rachel, that I would have so much, even now with all the work I have done, and I consider myself pretty recovered, that I would still have so much more free time in my day if I stopped yeah. thinking about food as much as I do. Yeah, that's how I feel about my social media usage. Oh, really? yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what could I be doing if I wasn't scrolling 24-7? Social media is a whole nother topic we could talk about from a mental yeah. health <laughs> perspective. But um, it's also tough because I, I'm supposed to be on a special diet because I have autoimmune. So it adds an extra right. layer. The AIP diet is something that really helps my autoimmune issues. So it's like I do have to think about food. So it's a fine line for me, yeah. which has made me think about it more than the average person, I think. I love that term, break up with dieting forever. I'm going to commit to that today mm -hmm. and try that. Yeah, just let's do it. Yeah, do no, it. I really, really, truly mean that, guys. So I'm making a commitment today since we're getting our summer minds to break up with dieting for the summer. So if you're a friend mm -hmm. of mine or you hear me anywhere mention the word diet, I want you to call me out because I'm done with there it for the summer. And so like you're committing to that now, like you might think like, okay, I got this now. But again, like, because this comes in waves in a roller coaster, you might find yourself in a low again and go into that, want to go to that research mode. And in those moments, I would encourage you and anyone listening to think of what can you add right now rather than remove to make yourself feel really good mm -hmm. and come from that place of surplus of something, you know, can I add more water? Can I add more greens into my day? Can I add in some movement as opposed to removing things and feeling deprived, which naturally keeps us in that diet cycle. Rachel, you're awesome. I want to hire you. You're so good. Oh. <laughs> I love that. Just from a mental health perspective, I've said that to my clients a lot. Like this isn't about deprivation. It's about adding what's missing because something's missing. Absolutely. It, not that there's something missing from you as a person because there absolutely isn't. But that whole idea that you're trying to take something away from yourself instead, add something that brings you joy and have it not be food. That's something that I work on with my clients at points in their own recovery. Yeah, meeting those needs, right? Exactly. Rachel, such good stuff. So nice. I'm happy <laughs> you're loving it. <laughs> if you listen to this show, the point of Well Seekers is in addition to giving people, um, helping them live their best life from the mind down and form a better relationship with themselves and others, we also try to give people real life bits of advice because sometimes. There's websites or articles where it's like, I would love to do that, but I don't have time and I don't have resources. So I'm just going to read about it and not implement it into my life. <laughs> so we love mm -hmm. having guests like you that can give us real life advice. Is there something in the spirit of reviving our relationship with body acceptance? Are there three or four ways that people listening to this show can create a better relationship with their body, become more accepting of their body? Mm -hmm, for sure. So I think first and foremost, what I want people to do is to strive for body neutrality or, or body nonchalance. Ooh. Right now, we're seeing a lot of body positivity in, say, the social media sphere, and which is great. It's amazing. But sometimes that can be a huge pressure and can be very triggering for people. Some days I wake up, I'm like, oh, it's going to be really hard to love my body today. Like, I'm menstruating. I'm super bloated. Like, this is totally messing with me. In those moments, strive for body neutrality. You don't have to love your body but you don't hate it either. Just strive for that level ground, that foundation where you can build upon, add those things and do things that make you feel really good as opposed to being like, I love my body, even though you might not be feeling so awesome in it today. And what you'll discover is that 
coming from that place of neutrality and adding those things will eventually bring you to the point where you are feeling a lot better in your body. So I always like to start as that as kind of the foundation. So are you basically saying don't fake it until you make it type of thing? Just be real with yourself. Like, don't say I love my body if today I'm not loving my body. Say this is where my body's at today. And now I'm going to go from here. Yeah, I mean, I, I... Well, okay. I do think there's some truth in like you looking at yourself in the mirror and saying like, I love you self. Or even when I put moisturizer on my body and if I'm like struggling with my body that day, I'll say like, I love you arms. I love you belly. I'll say things like that. I think that affirmation and that practice of giving yourself that self-love and compassion is really important, but there's no point in like lying to yourself if you don't really feel it, you know? Mm -hmm. I think again, I think there's part of it where like, okay, like come from that place of self-respect and self-compassion. You don't have to plaster it everywhere and say like, oh, I, I love myself so much. It's like you're really struggling at that time because again, that can kind of trigger those feelings of like, ah, I actually don't feel like enough right now. Mm, okay, got it. So the second one would be to wear the size that fits you now. A lot of us, and um, maybe some of you guys listening, have those jeans or a shirt or a dress from maybe high school or university or pre-marriage, pre-baby, whatever stage, they might be there. And you might be thinking, oh, I'm just hanging on to them because one day I'm going to fit into them again. That's your motivation. But actually it's kind of doing the opposite. And every time you look at that, that piece of clothing or every time you try to squeeze into it, if it doesn't fit you, it's actually telling you, no, you're not enough the way you are now. And I mean, we all know like we've tried to squeeze into those clothes, wearing them feels pretty awful. Mm. So, I mean, there's, there's so much to say about like wearing the size that fits you now. I tell people like, go to, go to a store, grab the size that you generally know you are plus some sizes around it. When you go into the change room, don't look at the tag. You don't even have to look in the mirror and just try them on and see how it feels and go with the one that feels the best for you. What we'll find is that when you actually feel good in your body, I mean, we all know, we all know how good we feel when we're in like a really cute outfit and like things fit well, it's comfortable. Like you feel like, can we swear on this? You're, you're hot shit. Like you're the, you're the <laughs> Yeah, shit. you can say that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you just feel really good in your body and it, it makes you want to do good things to your body as well. So it might sound kind of like hokey at first, like, oh, how, like, how beneficial is that actually going to be to throw out those old clothes and get new clothes? But all of my clients who I've done this practice with, first, they, they hate me. They're like, oh, I don't want to throw out those $300 designer jeans, but then they get new clothes and they're like, it's so exciting to wake up and see clothes in my closet that I can wear and that I know are going to make me feel good. Can we also just say that I've noticed this over the years? I know that you're in Canada, so I'm not sure if it's the same, but the sizes aren't accurate either. I shop at one store specifically and I was a size, a certain size. And when I didn't gain any weight. I went down a size. And I remember saying to the person, did you guys change your sizes? And she said, yeah, we relabeled them. And I said, why did you do that? And she said, because we wanted people to feel better about the size they were in. <laughs> I was like, okay, so basically wow. sizes mean nothing. <laughs> it's like, it literally, mean anything. Yeah. it's just a number and stores sometimes change the number. So it's not even accurate. It's like, you just, like you just said, Rachel, you just need to wear what you wear and not even look at the size. Yeah. I actually went bathing suit shopping the other day, which I usually hate, but for the first time I was excited, I went to Aerie and they have a lot of cute, like high-waisted bottoms and just like very inclusive sizes. Mm. Um, but I ended up walking out with two pairs of bottoms. I couldn't find a top that fit. And they were two different sizes, which makes no sense because it's from the same store. But when I tried them on, I'm like, 
this size feels good in, in this make and this size feels good in the other make. And so I'm doing it. And, but it's so easy to question that sometimes, like when you're in that state being like, this one isn't my size. How could that possibly be? Totally. And it makes no sense. Exactly like you said. So I love that. Love that. Ignore yeah. the size, everyone. Yeah. Ignore the size. And then, yeah, the last piece of advice would be to transform your, your thoughts or maybe those critical thoughts that you have from a negative to a positive. And this goes for the language that you're using around yourself, but also with friends and family. It's very easy in like, I know in girls groups, like growing up and still a bit now, it can be very easy to be in groups and someone says, oh, like I, I eat so crappy this weekend, or um, I don't feel good in this, or I feel so fat. I don't know how this happened. I think like we just kind of chime in and we say like, oh yeah, same. We kind of agree, maybe to provide comfort to the other person to say like, you're, you're not alone or um, maybe you genuinely feel that. But by doing that, we're kind of perpetuating diet culture and it's not really helping. This is something that I'm working on with a client right now. And we had a chat today and she's like, so I tried that trick. Basically what you do is like, if someone is kind of in that negative cycle, in this case, the friend was saying, oh, I'm, I just finished this cleanse and now I'm doing this detox starting on May 1st. The client that I'm working with, she was challenged to try to change the conversation. And so she said something to the effect of, oh, I think they were talking about a certain food like bagels. And my client said, oh, I actually love bagels. You know, kind of something nothing to do with what the person was saying, but putting an end to that conversation because it's not helping anyone. The more you can change that conversation around in in group settings and with yourself, the more we're going to have that more positive, self-compassionate and self-respect relationship with ourselves. Absolutely. Rachel, such incredible stuff and all things that we can try as we revive a relationship with our bodies and head into summer. Rachel Molinda, I think I said it right that time. <laughs> Did I get it? Yep, you got it. Um, Toronto-based certified holistic nutritionist. You guys, I'm pretty sure she works with people in the States if you're listening in the States. You do, right, Rachel? I feel like everyone is I do, yeah. international yep, these days. I practice online. If people yep. want to get a hold of you and learn more, can you give us your social, any any way to get in touch with you, Rachel? Sure. So you can find me on most social media channels. I'm most active on Instagram at Rachel M. Melinda. RachelMMelinda.com has info where to contact me. Um, lots of blog posts and recipes, lots of great resources. Um, I also have my own podcast, The Failure Cut Podcast. Basically, we're talking about a lot of the things that we chatted about today, but it's basically going to give you the resources to help meet your needs on a, on a daily basis so you can feel and show up as the best version of yourself. Perfect. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and talking to everyone here on Well Seekers. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was a great chat. Look, we're already friends, right? So let's make it official. Just find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Well Seekers. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show. Thanks again to Rachel for joining us. So much good stuff in there, guys, and so many different ways to help rewire your brain and change your story, um, which you know is something that we strive here to do to make it one of happiness and wellness. Now, before I let you go, I want to tell you about my tool of the week that I use whenever I'm feeling like I need some body acceptance. I think meditation and checking in with what really is wrong is one of the keys for me. So what is it about my body that's really bothering me? Is it my body and do I need to tweak that or is it my mind and I need to really do something to change my mind? 
So in order to do that, I know I've said this before, but meditation is a huge thing for me. And if you can't sit still for meditation, I want to tell you about, and we'll put a link in this. The thing that I love to do that is sort of like an active meditation is there's something on our site. If you click on wellseekers.com, you go to shop and then featured tools, the calm yourself postcards. So these postcards, they serve two purposes. First of all, you can sit there in color and it's an amazing meditative thing. It gets you out of yourself, out of your mind and sort of can help you zone in on, hey, what am I actually feeling? But these postcards, you guys, they can be mailed and they have these really powerful and incredible quotes on them. One of the quotes, your daily life is a treasure, guard it carefully. So you could take this beautiful coloring once you're done filling in um, the coloring and the quote, and you can hang it on your refrigerator to remind you of these. There's tons of, there's 50 different positive quotes that you can choose from, or you can mail it to a friend because there are postcards and sort of pass it on and pass it forward. So whenever I need to get in touch with myself and get in touch with my emotions and I can't sit still for a meditation, these postcards are a go-to item for me. So check them out, wellseekers.com, click on the shop button and then the feature tool. I promise you, if you're trying to just have a happier story and a happier life and accept yourself more, these are part of my daily routine or at least weekly routine. If I'm being honest, I will color at least once a week if I can't sit and meditate. I want to thank Rachel again for being on the show. If you guys have any questions for Rachel and you didn't get to ask them, make sure to email us at hello at wellseekers.com. Follow us, of course. We are on all social media at Wellseekers. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio podcast. Shout out to everyone listening on iHeart. And also DM us, send us a message. Hello at Wellseekers. If there's something you want us to cover, we're going to be gearing up for our next six-week series soon. We have an idea. We have a few ideas of what we're going to do to help people because we've gotten some messages and requests. And I have a big announcement next week. So you want to stay tuned because next week I have a huge announcement for the show. And you know what, guys, just because we're feeling generous at the end of today's show, I want to do a giveaway. Our summer boxes are coming out and these boxes are a collection of tools essentially that help you on your journey and help you change your story to one of happiness, peacefulness and wellness. So if you guys like us on Instagram, you probably already like us on Instagram, send us an email, hello at wellseekers.com with just your name and you'll get entered to win a summer box. So that's it. That's as simple as it is. Just shoot us your, your name and you will be entered to win a summer box. From all of us here at Wellseekers, we hope you are treating yourself well. We hope your journey is filled with happiness today. And thanks so much for being a part of the Seekerhood. We do this for you and we do this with you. So thanks for being here. Until next week, we'll talk to you soon on Wellseekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.